The following is a presentation of the Connection Church, a place where people are being set free. We hope you enjoy this conversation in a series we are calling Practicality. If you'd like to know more information about the church, please visit us online at connectionchurchnc.com. to share is for Christians in the church, but you all who are not yet following Jesus, you feel more than welcome to just eavesdrop in on what I'm going to share with the church. Feel free to listen, feel free to follow along, because what you're going to be hearing here over the next 30 minutes is, is what is ravaging the church. And it's destroying individual Christian lives. And so you feel free to listen in. But don't check out totally because here towards the end of this church service, I'm going to be talking back to every single one of us in this room. And so church, I want you to listen up. And I want you to understand that I have been prayed for. I have been praying for this very message. And I want you to understand that I am not preaching at you this morning. I need to be sitting right here front and center, listening to this message, just like every other Christian in this room. I am the fortunate one that gets to deliver this message this morning. But I am right there in your seat with you in spirit. I just want you to know that. I've been wrestling with this message for several weeks. My prayer partner is praying for me right this second. I don't want this to come across as harsh. Listen, I hope it steps all over your toes because it stepped all over mine. Satan has not even wanted me to deliver this message this morning. So let's jump in it. James chapter 3, starting at verse 13 we got to understand something here. James is writing to a group of followers of Jesus who just happens to be his half-brother. You see, you got to understand that James saw firsthand, up close and personal, his half-brother Jesus live out his life for 33 years. And so James is writing this as a witness to the perfect example. James is also writing here in James chapter 3. He's writing this to teachers of the gospel. And so before you say, well, this doesn't apply to me, yes, it does. God's word here in James chapter 3, yes, directed to teachers of the gospel, but it applies to every single one of us who claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So good excuse but it doesn't work. This applies to you this morning. And in James chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. What is he saying right here before we really get going hot and heavy this morning? What he is saying can be summed up by a sentence. He is saying, Hey, you teachers of the gospel, Just be who you say you are. Pretty easy, right? 
Who is wise and understanding among you? If you're a true teacher of the gospel, if you're wise and you have this great understanding, James is basically saying, be who you say you are. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Listen, I don't have to go back and preach my message from last week. Listen, we have all kinds of craziness coming out of our life. Last week we just talked about our tongue and how venomous and how deadly and destructive it can be. And I said to you, it's not a, it's not a mouth problem. I said what? It's a, it's a what problem? It's a heart. Good. Answered that. I was worried about that. I was like, man, maybe they don't remember anything I'm talking about. But he says here, you harbor bitter envy. Listen, Christians, I know there's some of you in here today that are harboring bitter envy. And selfish ambition in your hearts. That's where it starts. Because from the overflow of the heart, Yes, it says the mouth speaks, but from the overflow of the heart, I think we do everything from the overflow of our heart. Guys, listen. I'm here with you in this one. It says, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Verse 15 says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's unspiritual and it's of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17 says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven comes from God. is first of all pure, then peace-loving and considerate, submissive, full of mercy. Church, we need to work on that one and we'll focus on that for just a minute. And good fruit and partial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. James is saying, church, we're at a crossroads here. We have choices to make. We have to go one way or the other. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes struggle with my choices I love Zaxby's restaurant. Anybody in the house love Zaxby's? Glory. You know why I love Zaxby's? Their chicken is just okay. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something about that drink machine. We preachers like to talk about heaven on earth, man. That drink machine comes straight from heaven. Man, there's nothing better than a, a Coke Zero with cherry. Now, you got to have a PhD to try to figure out how to get it on the screen. But when I finally figure that out, man, that's why I go to Zaxby's. It's not for their chicken. It's for their drink machine. In church, I think that we've had that mentality inside the church for way too long. Christians, you may have never heard someone say this before. And listen, I'm going to just lay it out there and I'm going to let you deal with it this morning. In the church, we don't have choices. 
Guys, in the church, we have a guideline. You get one flavor, and that's it. And his name happens to be Jesus Christ. And so, I don't even think we're really at a crossroad here because Christians, we know which direction to go. For some reason, we like to have all of these choices. And sometimes we followers of Jesus, sometimes we choose the wrong way. I just know I'm not the only one in the room. Amen. You see, when we start to choose the direction that is opposite of Jesus, James says here in James chapter 3 that we can choose a direction that is detrimental to the body of believers. And he says when it's selfish ambition, and he says when it's evil, where there's envy and strife, James says pretty simply that there you find disorder and every evil practice. Listen, I have seen that firsthand. I'm not going to name any names in my illustrations here this morning Because these things go out onto the world wide web. And I still love some of the people that I've seen this happen with. I remember back in my first church, I'd been ministering for about a year and a half. I knew everything. And so I was never wrong. There was this lady who started to spread lies about some of the things that I was doing. And I heard from some of my really close friends at the former church in Moxville, North Carolina, that that some of this was taking place, and so I had to go put a stop to it. And so I showed up on this one person's doorstep one evening around supper time, and I knocked on their door, and I knew they were there. I saw the whole family sitting around having dinner together, and I said, perfect. I get to talk to all of them at once. So this person comes to the door, and this person says to me, I don't have time to talk to you right now. And I said, well, I'm not leaving here until we do have a conversation. She says, I'll call the police. I said, you go ahead and have your pastor arrested. It might grow our church. I said, I'm not leaving here until we have a face-to-face discussion. Long story short, this didn't work. It still hasn't worked to this day. There are some people who just want to choose going the wrong direction. Instead of seeing hundreds and thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ through the gospel, I just think Satan plants them to cause disorder. Scott, that's harsh. Hey, listen, I'm just telling you what James said. You see, James says here in the third chapter, he says this, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Church, evil practice does not come from God. 
Christians, we got to be who we say we are. And I know it's a struggle. I know it's a struggle. I used to work at Fuji's Japanese Steakhouse. Am I making you guys hungry yet? Used to work at Fuji's. No, I didn't chop up your food and all that stuff. I just cleaned tables. I was a bus boy back when I was going to college here in town. I cleaned tables, and about every night that I worked, I would get off work, and I'd have the that that white sauce all over me. I mean, yeah, you guys like it, but when you're no, it's not actually that good. I dropped a lemon from the floor one time in a bucket of it, so I hope you weren't eating there then. Um, it was be all over me. I mean, like from head to toe. I was dating this girl, Daisha, who's now my wife. And every night I'd get off work and I'd go over to her house and I'd walk in and immediately she would smell Fuji's. I wonder when we walk into a place away from here, away from being in the presence of God Christians, I'm wondering if the people that we interact with immediately know that we have been with Jesus or not. I don't know what Jesus smelt like, but I sure do know how he acted. You see, James lived with him, and he saw his actions, and he recorded it. And James is saying yes to the teachers of the gospel, but he's saying to us, church, today, be who you say you are. You see, we can take a left. And even though we don't have a choice, we can take a choice and a turn, but it will be detrimental. Or, James says later on in this chapter, he says, you can take a right and you can take a choice that will be greatly beneficial. Because he says here, if we choose, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, that comes from God, is first of all pure. Then peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. It's full of mercy and good fruit. It's impartial and sincere. You see, Paul says in Galatians, he has this thing, Christians, that you all know about, that it's the fruit of the Spirit. That when you're looking to Jesus and you've allowed him to transform who you are, There's just this new nature about you. 
that really and truly is unexplainable. The only explanation is the Holy Spirit. And he says, Paul says, that when you have allowed Jesus to transform you, then you start thinking, you start producing these types of things. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. James is saying the exact same thing. He says when you choose the beneficial path, church, we start to focus on love and we love peace. We have so much mercy. Listen, for all of you who are going to be a part of the Big Give event August 17th at Ledford High School, where we're going to be giving ourselves away, there's going to be some people there who aren't going to look like you, smell like you, talk like you, and the list goes on. But James is saying, hey, follower of Jesus, you've got to be someone who shows mercy. I had this friend of mine that I encountered several years back. Ran into two basically homeless guys at the same time. I knew God was playing tricks on me when both of them were named John. So I had a John 1 and a John 2. I was sitting at Starbucks just this week with a friend of mine, and, and I saw John 1 walking down the street, still homeless, carrying his bags around. You may have seen him if you travel around High Point much. But John 2 tested my Christianity. Because John 2, I let him in to the inside of who I am. I gave him my son's brand new bicycle. I let him eat supper with my family. I would go to where he would stay and pick him up. I would let him work around the church, hang out with me. He went a lot of places with me. We talked about Jesus. He said yes to Jesus. We baptized him in our church. He didn't look like me. He didn't sound like me. He smelt like Colt 45. And guys, this guy, I thought, got it. That's what I'm supposed to do. Fast forward this story. About three or four years passed, and I never saw John 2. I'd go down to the streets of High Point where I met this guy, and I would say, hey, have you guys seen John? <laughs> He's probably in jail, and that's where he was. But you see, God has a sense of humor. Because about two months ago, 
Guess who walked into my office looking for help? John 2. He had stolen my son's bike right there. I should have rode him off. He comes into our office looking for help. And I said to him, John, how in the world could you be going out acting like this? No, I didn't say that. But church, that's what we say a lot of the time. I said, John, I said, don't you understand that God is in this? Haven't seen John since. But church, we've got to start making the conscience decision to take a beneficial path. And James says here that we're going to be people who are full of mercy. Church, God is going to bring thousands of people into our presence on August 17th. Hey, Christians, those of you who are going to be there giving yourself away, I ask you to simply be obedient to God's word. Be full of mercy. If someone cusses you, which will happen, remember, these people are not held to this standard. But church, we are. Be full of mercy. Scott, why is this so important? Why is all of this so important? Tell me even how this is practical. I'll tell you, because when I stand here as the vision caster for this church, when I say that we are going to transform this community, I mean it. And the only way that we're going to be able to transform this community is if we do what we say. And if we act, and if we are who we claim to be. And I don't think there's any Christian in here that would deny that, that we're followers of Christ. And if we're followers of Christ, this is our choice. Church, the gospel has to go out. And for some reason, God has chosen us to take it into this community. That's why. But I know there's some of you and you're sitting here and you're saying, how? Scott, I've been a part of a church for years. And I'm going to be honest with you, Scott, I'm not sure if I've led one person to the Lord. I'm not sure if I even know how to do that. I'm not sure if I know how to do what James is saying here. Scott, how do I do it? Where do I start? Start right here. You see, your eyes have to be focused on Jesus. If you're following Jesus, your eyes have to be focused on the one that is leading you. 
And all too often I know that the church's eyes, we lose focus of who we're following. And it just seems that when our eyes are taken off of the one we're following, Jesus, our eyes automatically refocus on ourselves. And when we focus on ourselves, you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. It says these things are unspiritual of the devil. And when we take our eyes off of the one we're following, you have envy, you have selfish ambition, and there you find disorder and every evil practice. Straight from God's word. This is for everybody in the room. I hope that I haven't painted a very bad picture of us Christians if you're here and you're not yet a follower of Christ. Listen, we don't have it all figured out either. I know we're all in this together. And some of the Christians in the room, much like some of the non-Christians in the room, we don't have our eyes on Christ we have our eyes on ourself. And for us to be who we say we are, it's time for us to refocus back on Jesus. Because Jesus will lead us to places and he will lead us in ways that no human being could ever lead us. So I'm just going to ask you what you're focused on. It's not a very exciting way to close out a message, but I'm just going to ask you, who are you focused on? Which choice are you going to take? The detrimental choice, because that's the wrong one, because I can promise you, Jesus will always choose the one that is beneficial. And so Jesus, who are you focused on? I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right here where you are. Hey, Jesus. Lord, I speak for us all. I'm sorry. For when we take our eyes off of you and we return our focus back to ourself, Jesus, we're followers of you. And we know you lead us well. Jesus, we're sorry. But I can't help but to think that there's someone here today 
who has heard this. And you're saying to yourself right now, I've never looked to Jesus. But today I'm willing to be led by Jesus. Scott, I want to start looking to him. I don't know what's next. I don't know what that detail looks like. Hey, listen, we know that there are a lot of questions that come when you surrender your life to Jesus. Here at this church, we have what's called what's next. We have classes designed for you who are ready to make this step into a relationship with Jesus. You're not going to be doing it on your own. We want to be walking with you, sharing with you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you today, Scott, I, for the first time, am saying yes to Jesus. Would you just lift up a hand? Scott, I need to look to Jesus, and I've never done it before. Would you just lift up a hand so I could see it? Lift it high. Do not be ashamed. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. So if you just lifted a hand and said, I'm looking to Jesus for the very first time, as you leave this church today out by the welcome table, you will see a little slip of paper with a big question mark on it. And it says, what's next? For those hands that I just saw raised, please do not leave without getting answers to what's next. Hey, I know, because I'm one of you, church, that I'm just one of many that needs to be reminded on a daily basis that my eyes need to be focused on Jesus. So church, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say right now, you pray what you need to pray. Because my prayer sounds something like this. Jesus, it is so easy to focus on myself. Jesus, it's so easy to focus on my direction. But once again, I've chosen wrong. And my direction causes destruction. And I sense the evilness in it. Because I've taken my eyes off of you, Jesus. So, God, I'm sorry. And I'm asking your Holy Spirit, who lives inside of me, God, when I know that I need to choose the beneficial direction that you, Jesus, are leading me in, there will be no hesitation, but there will be love, there will be peacemaking that I will be full of mercy, that I will produce good fruit. And Jesus, I'll follow you. In my eyes, with your Holy Spirit's strength, 
will remain focused on you, Jesus. God, I can't do that without you. So Holy Spirit, give me strength that I did not even know I had. Holy Spirit, help me love people in a way that I did not even know I could love. May I hunger and may I, may I yearn for peace. God, thank you for loving me even when I wasn't focused on your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. And God, most importantly, thank you for loving someone like me. For it's in Jesus' powerful name I pray. Amen.